Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sister Jean interview with me and Will. Uh, we got a, got, a, got a great interview with Sister Jean. Really, really fun having her on. Haven't seen her in a while. Um, you know, just, a, just a good, just makes your heart feel good. So, um, Absolutely. We're, we're, we're calling it the Bears, Blurs, Belgium Christmas Spectacular, equivalent to like the uh, Flint, Michigan Mega Ball. Yes. We got Sister Jean for this one. Uh, so I'd imagine a lot of you have not listened to any of these episodes, um, or I guess the podcast <laughs> in general. So, uh, so definitely, uh, if you enjoy this, stick around, uh, for Christmas break, we'll have plenty of, uh, good loyal guests. You can go back. We have some, some, some good guests already. Um, but, uh, we appreciate you, you listen to this. There is one, uh, little miscue, uh, technical issue where sister Jean was telling a story about Bob Hope getting her class on TV, which is hilarious. Um, but we missed a chunk of that. So that's towards the end, and we'll let you know when that took place and then go back into the, the final question. So uh, Follow us on Instagram, <laughs> okay? I need some more followers on yeah. that page. We, we just I, the, listens, the listens to follower ratio for this podcast, it, it, it's astronomically bad. Yeah. Okay. okay. Bears, blur Belgium. It can't, it's not that hard. Instagram. All right. Uh, we'll uh, we'll play the intro music here and then go straight into Sister Jean. All right. All right, everyone. Our uh, next guest needs absolutely no introduction, but we'll we'll do it anyway. First and foremost, she's a member of the Sisters of Charity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Uh, we know her as the Loyola University Chicago men's basketball team chaplain. She's an international celebrity at 102 years young. She's received plenty of awards. You know, the Spirit of the Valley, Sword of Loyola. She's a member of the Loyola Athletics Hall of Fame. And, and plenty more. But uh, most importantly, she's been a positive influence on the Loyola community uh, since 1991 and at Mundelein for decades before that. So uh, welcome on, Sister Jean. How are you? Well, good morning, and thank you for that great introduction. I have to live up to all you said now, so <laughs> we, can, we can move from there and see that I can see if I can prove what you <laughs> right. is this Is this your first podcast, Sister Jean? Yeah, it is my first, and it I was thinking this morning, it took me 102 years to get here. <laughs> yeah. All right, we, we love it, we love it. Well, uh, we, we thought maybe you could uh, get us started with a prayer. You know, it's it's finals week. This is going to be released on Wednesday the 15th. 
got plenty of Loyalist students enduring finals right now. So maybe you give a prayer for the students. And then we also thought maybe you could give us a prayer uh, like you do pregame and maybe give Cart and I some pointers or some inspiration. Kind of putting you on the spot here, but I, I know you can handle it. Well, uh, good and gracious God, I'm delighted to be able to open this with a prayer. And I did give all the students who uh, study and I see walking around. And since I have a hard time going in between the tables and Damon with my wheelchair, I've sort of delegated students to take a section of the room and pass these prayers out. The, the first ones to get this prayer were the team members, the basket, men's basketball team. I put it at the end of my personal email to them last the other day so they would have it. So it's called A Prayer for Memory, and it's adapted from another prayer. Oh God, I have listened, read, and written so much information during class. As I prepare for this exam, I am afraid that I will forget important information during my test. I'm asking you, Lord, to please help me remember all the necessary materials that I have studied so that I will do well in my exam. Amen. And as for giving a, prayer, a part of a prayer for the um, team members that we always gather in the concourse of the Norville and get started be, with God before the game begins. It's usually a, a general prayer, but it's a little scouting too. And sometimes I tell the young men, um, watch out, look out for certain people. And because I try to scout the team as best as possible. So for the next uh, team that we're playing, which is Norfolk State, my prayer will be like this. Oh, good and gracious God, we welcome Norfolk State to our um, Genteel Center. We ask you to bless both the teams and to see that no one gets injured. We also ask that the referees call the plays with equity. You have to keep your eyes open. We thank our fans and our students and our band of wolves and the wolf for their support and cheering. They're the ones, those fans are the ones that help. They're not going to be here for the next game, so um, we'll be like almost this, we were at COVID, but we will have some fans there. So we ask you to bless them too, oh God. And as we get closer to the final buzzer, buzzer let the scoreboard indicate the big W for the Ramblers. We ask God to bless the team in a special way so that they will use their mind, their hearts, their heads, playing the game against the opponents. We both are prepared. We don't want to give up. So we always have to say, Amen. God bless us and go Ramblers. After the prayer, I bless the hands of the young men before they go in for their final warm-up. Mm -hmm. Go Ramblers. Go Ramblers. That's a, that's a tradition we always do. Whatever yep. Sister Jean says, 
Amen and go Ramblers. You always you always finish it with the go Ramblers at the end. It's always always a great great little pregame uh, prayer before every game. You know we we kind of miss those a little bit with COVID. I mean you, you would call us you would call us on the phone, but uh, it's not it's nothing like it is in person. An in person prayer will always will never be beat. So thank you so much. Absolutely, Th- thank you. Uh, so I guess with that, that is one of your roles as being a chaplain. Uh, people ask me all the time, you know, like, like, what's it like with Sister Jean? What, what all does she do with you guys? And I'm like, uh, I, I give you know a, a drawn out answer, but I kind of want to hear your your answer. Like, what is a chaplain, and what do you see your role as with Loyola Men's Basketball? Well, I I see my role as being. Um, a person who is really, really interested in sports, but especially in basketball. And I say, because I say the prayer, I feel very close to all of you who are playing on the team. And I believe my presence there is helpful because I don't not only watch the game, but now I have to sit in the tunnel and watch, but I can see better than even in being in the stands. I see more than the refs see because I'm I'm right under that basket and I wish I could call, make the call instead of having the refs just neglect it. So I, I could, I could do, I could do pretty well there, but I do pray even during the game. And I tell you, I, I promise God things when I see it getting close and then have to go home and say all those prayers, but it's, it's worth it. I, I just I just love what I do. I also uh, pray with all you guys before the um, game, and it's very important for me to pray with you before, and then to go in and pray with the fans. Mm-hmm. And the fans always clap when they're finished. And Steve Watson said to me one day, "I never heard anybody, any place, clap after prayer, Sister Jean." Yeah. So. But that's uh, that's all right, and we have a great number of fans there now, and I I talk to them, and it's amazing how these people, the new students we have, and it's almost one half the population of our register of our uh, Loyola, that these students ha- hadn't been in a, a real classroom until they came this year. And mm-hmm. so they right. haven't been to any games or anything, and they are so ready to go. And they're talking about it earlier in the day and say, "Oh, Sister Jean, are you going to the game?" I said, "I couldn't miss it. I have to go. I want to go to the game." So they they talk it up very much among themselves. And as you see, they come. Isn't that right? Um, well, that, yeah, it's yeah, been, it's been great this year. It's been great this year. And uh, after the day after the game, they come in and they say, Sister Jean, what did you think about that? What are, about the game? So there, and of course, other students who have been there too have come. But we don't have the bishop this year. Remember the fellow who had the bishop's hat? Yes, yeah, yes. He, 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 graduated. Yeah, he, gradu- he graduated. And so... Um, He's not around. He has a, a job, so he, he doesn't come to a game. But he, he, I asked someone about him, and he said, he said, as soon as he could get a night free, he'd come. So uh, that's, that's good. And then I also um, sometimes um, 
when we're having academic problems toward the end of the semester. Um, I also I'd talk with one of the coaches and say, well, would you tell so-and-so I would like to see him? <laughs> and so um, um, I've helped pull through a couple, but it, it's through their exams, not because I tell them the answer, but I tell them <laughs> the study. Absolutely. You're definitely there as like a positive uh, influence and just like a, a resource, almost like a mentor uh, through stuff like that. You know, that's kind of outside of coaching and uh, we definitely love all the prayers and the emails too. We can get into that later. But uh, one of my, my favorite memories of you is uh, during COVID when we were all sent away and we were all isolated. Um, I got a random call one day and for whatever reason I picked it up and it was you. And uh, I, I immediately like, I enjoyed the call and uh, we talked for a little bit. I think we ended up talking three times on the phone during a lockdown. But I just remember texting everyone, be like, everyone pick up a random number. It's Sister Jean calling. And sure enough, uh, you, you went down the roster. And uh, and we all enjoyed that. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And that was my pleasure, too, because it kept me alive. Otherwise, I was alone, too. Mm-hmm. Even at Declare, we we couldn't visit our neighbor next door and wow. we were just isolated in our rooms. We couldn't go to the mass. We had to uh, watch mass on tele- te- on uh, television or we could watch it on our iPads. And I still, in the morning, I, I watched um, a mass from Toronto every morning. Hmm. And it's very, in, uh, you know, they do it well. And then on Sunday morning, I watched the Cardinal at mm-hmm. 9.30. Wintrust takes care of him. So, Yeah, so I remember uh, something from that time. That was a semester you gave us the uh, Desire of Your Heart project. And uh, something, well, you had us all share our own, but uh, something you shared, which we all thought was a, a great story, is uh, as a kid uh, in, in California, you had a pet monkey, Jerry. Do you want to yeah. do you want to yeah. tell us the story of Jerry a little bit? Tell us a little bit about Jerry. Yeah, people always when I say we had a pet monkey, they say a pet monkey. Oh no! And I say, oh yes, we really did. <laughs> oh, we had this friend of ours was um, an engineer on the cargo boat that traveled between San Francisco and South America, and he stopped by to see us and say goodbye to us the night before his his trip. He only went there very frequently. But Mm. this time he said, what what do you kids and I have two brothers, what do you kids want me to bring back from South America? And together, we said a monkey. (laughs) Why we did that, I don't know. And we we never, we we saw uh, organ grinders with monkeys. And then we used to like to drop pennies on the street, you know, and then they'd pick them up and put them in a a little bag for the organ grinder. But um, so he said, uh, a monkey, we said a monkey, he said, okay. So off he went. Well, what happened that the um, zoo had requested a, a female monkey to, to put into the zoo so they could uh, do a mating process. And so they put that on the boat and they didn't know she was pregnant. So she had this little monkey on the boat and they if an animal was born uh, uh, after it left the first zoo, the mm-hmm. international, born in international waters, 
it could not go to the zoo because it didn't have all the medical preparation to go. Mm. When they got a, got to docked in San Francisco, the um, captain of the boat said, oh, who would like to take care of this monkey? And our friend said, I know three kids who would die for it. Yeah, so, that's a great story. That's awesome. And, and so he brought it to our house. And um, oh, of course, we liked it right away. But he was very, San Francisco isn't a hot city like a, like in South America, you know. Mm -hmm. So you know, he was must have been shivering. And my mom knitted him a little red sweater. So she put the little red sweater on him. And he, he was very happy with it never had a sweater before and then um, my dad had a cage because we knew we couldn't let him run around he'd be around the whole house so he was in a little cage to sleep and my mom put him in a little baby blanket wrapped him up and put him in there and he didn't move until my mom brought him his coffee now we knew from the uh, our engineer friend that uh, the fellows on the boat had taught this monkey to drink coffee. So he and that he liked a lot of sugar and a lot of milk in it. So my mom gave him a mug, so that became Jerry's mug and brought him toast and he would dunk the toast in the coffee, squeeze it out and eat it, drink the coffee, hold it in both hands and just be very happy. And then he'd go outside in a bigger cage that my dad made during that week for him and my dad made little swings and little slides for him so that he could play, although he had no one to play with. But we we used to take, my mom would bring him to school so the kids could see him and play with him. And, uh, oh, he loves people. He he loved women better than, I mean, he liked women better than he liked men. You could tell that. And if anybody had alcohol on his breath, he would squeal and make the funniest noises. He just didn't like that. Huh. So wow. we had him for a couple of years. And then that, that, that's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah. So, um, like going, going from that, obviously a, a ton of happens in between there and the, and the time you, you arrive at, uh, Loyola. Um, obviously you, you spent some time at, at Mundelein. Um, I, I read some things about your transition to Loyola. And I think it took a couple of years before you uh, you uh, became affiliated with the men's basketball team. What was what was that transition like, and uh, what brought you to being a part of the men's basketball team? Oh well, true. We t I was at at Mundelein for thirty years, from mm -hmm. sixty one to ninety one, and Mundelein couldn't make it anymore financially, and so we were we were very happy that Loyola wanted to have us affiliate. It moved very quickly. And during those days when um, women's colleges were closing and even other smaller uh, co-ed co colleges were closing, if they were Catholic, the, the process had to go to Rome for... Um, mm -hmm. Oh, wow. It, it just, Rome doesn't own us or Rome doesn't govern us any of the colleges, but one one college had done wrong in um, their acceptance of the group of sisters. They had done wrong financially there. And so the Rome picked that up, picked up that story and said, 
we had to uh, the uh, the uh, let's see all the call it wasn't a contract but it was you know what what we would do what the receiving school was going to do for the new the school they were accepting hmm. so the Loyola had no problem with that I mean the Rome didn't have any problem with what Loyola was doing because Loyola paid all the debts and they got some nice property, but they, they were very good to us. I always would like to have somebody write a dissertation on the affiliation. I tried hmm. to get somebody to do that just last week, but she already had her topic. Hmm. Because I think it's probably the best affiliation that occurred, I mean the smoothest, because we really sat down and talked about it. And then if we had any any little questions afterward that weren't quite um, understood, because you, you, you couldn't you couldn't solve every problem before because you had didn't have any experience in that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I try think it would be the very best affiliation story of affiliation, and I, I say that because we worked so well together, and we always had a um, an exchange program with Loyola. So we were always serving young men too, as well as young women, because we always had the Loyola students and the Loyola students for, you know, the meeting and so forth. The, there was, there was a, there probably in our situation, there are more marriages occurred between uh, Loyola men and Mundelein women than perhaps in any other kind of an affiliation. Hmm. I think uh, when Will's done with his finals work, he's going to have like a month or two, right? To to kind of a full month. Yeah, you, he could probably help you out with that dissertation. I, I'm not taking the LSAT on January 14th. Maybe you two need to grab some coffee and go over some notes and stuff. Okay. And <laughs> working on it. We can talk about it, Will. Uh, all right. <laughs> I definitely want. I've just signed him up for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, like the 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 fusion of of the schools is, is a cool story in itself. So, how did you uh, how did you get to being part of the basketball team, and and um, how long did that take? Well, in nineteen ninety one, I I used to come to basketball games at Loyola too, mm -hmm. especially men's, and many times the the men and the Women had games on the same day, you mm -hmm. know, a double header. So uh, that that was nice because we had our women's basketball team at Loyola, but we were not in the same. We were not a Division One school. We were a Division Two school. Yeah. And I can t tell you a story about volleyball one sometime too. But uh, how how all this uh, how this all came uh, together is that. Um, I officially retired in 1994. <laughs> so, it, was a, it was a great package, and my community said, take it. And so the president then was Father Pitteret, and he said to me, oh, I, I know what you can do while you're retired. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, you could, the, the basketball young men and women well he wasn't yes he was president you 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 can um 
you help the basketball team. And I said, well, how would I do that? And he said, well, they need somebody to encourage them and to support them in their studies. You won't be an academic advisor, but just to encourage them. So I called myself the booster shooter. Yep. <laughs> and so I, I would send the, those who were just hovering on like a, a 2.2, had, were assigned to see me. So I had both the men and the women, and there were a number of them. I used to see them once a week, go over their uh, classes to be sure they had, were prepared to go to their classes, looked at their papers, told them, I told them what I thought needed a little correction, but I didn't correct it myself. Hmm. But I always encouraged them. I sent them notes as I sent to the basketball team too. And um, it's we didn't have email in those first days. Mm-hmm. And so um, then shortly after I started that, then the um, basketball chaplain resigned. He said he, he was retiring, so... That's why he resigned. And Father Jerry Overbeck said to me, he was in charge of all the chaplains. He said, well, how would you like to be the chaplain of the men's basketball team? And I said, well, I've never done it, but sure, I'll, I'll be happy to do that. Hmm. So that, that's, that's how I got to that uh, part. So I did the, the booster shooter and the basketball team uh, together until those students got out of their lethargy of studying and picked up their GPAs and they didn't need me anymore. Yeah. And now the recruiting is different. You're all good students and there's no worry about getting your work done. Yeah, definitely. That's something we we definitely value here. And uh, um, I'm glad you you don't have to, uh, you know, assist us with that anymore um no. so so obviously uh your role grew um in that time uh to being you know 20 by 2018 you were certainly a uh a campus celebrity but uh with the run you obviously rose to uh you know having the uh, press conference filled up at the final four to talk to you uh what was what was that run like and like what what changed for you and, and what didn't change for you uh, th- throughout that time? Well, I didn't know a run was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I woke up the morning, morning that you, after you won the first game, and all of a sudden I said to myself, wake up. This is not a dream. It's a reality. Get going. So I remember getting out of bed, and I remember Bill and uh, – coming and saying, Sister Jean, we need you down in the lobby. Somebody wants to interview you. So I went down and I uh, talked to some, but a reporter. And then they had me at the, um, Cam will remember this, they had me right at the locker when they came uh, into the into the area where the basketball teams were. Yeah. And, and they, then the reporters were all around there. And one time I had five microphones in one pocket, plus, plus the ones that they were using around me. 
So it was just, it, it was amazing. Hmm. So, but the, the, all the focus should have been on, on all of you guys first who we worked so hard to, to get to where we got. And then it, it was such an exhilarating experience. And I said, uh, then I had that uh, conference with uh, a, in a special room and I thought it was going to be like reporters just coming up to me one at a time. You know? No. I got down there and the room was filled with them. And the, Michael was the name of the facilitator. And he said to me, Sister Jean, you have a bigger crowd than Tom Brady had here. <laughs> so that, that, that seemed to be something very special. And then we were talking. We talked for about 15 minutes with um, reporters. And then uh, they more had their hands raised up for questions. <laughs> and I said to Michael, oh, I could stay here longer. And he said, his sister Jean, we gave a, they gave us 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> We're on the time limit. But one thing I said that that was, uh, they asked me if I would talk to jo uh, Charles Barkley. And I said, I would like to talk to Charles Barkley, but I have something special to say to him. But I didn't tell him what it was the reporters. And so um, that when we went to um, it was San Antonio, when we went to San Antonio, Charles Barkley came to see me. And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to come to see you, Sister Jean. And I said, why would you be afraid? He said, well, you said you were going to say something special to me. And I said, well, I do. I said, you know, you're doing such a great job now on, on analyzing the teams. And that's, that's, you're, you're very good at that. But I said, when you played basketball, you always looked angry. And I said, I thought that was very unfair to kids who had basketball as their passion. Oh. And, he, and he said, <laughs> he, he, he was happy. He, he was afraid, he, he was afraid to come. But, but, but that's, that's okay. Somebody else was afraid of me to come recently and that was the coach at um, Vanderbilt he said, oh really I hope sister Jean isn't coming to the <laughs> coming to the game <laughs> yeah well yeah, even, yeah. Uh, even in Belgium sister Jean even in Belgium they they know who you are when I uh when I first got here um to, to Antwerp and we had a couple practices they uh they were like hey man like you know they knew I went to Loyola and stuff they're like hey man it's is uh is the granny still there and i'm like the granny <laughs> what and uh, i was like oh you mean sister jean she's de definitely not a granny she's she's our team chaplain and i was explaining it and so they they know you they know you out here and the international star is 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 a real thing because people out here de definitely know know you well th thank you and I'm old enough to be the great grandmother, you know. You know? <laughs> I said, "Don't tell, don't tell your grandmothers that that I remind you of, of them because your grandmothers are about fifty years younger than I." Am. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I, we've said it a couple times on here. I, I'm sure we have some younger listeners on here that you know might not have been paying attention to oil at that time, but probably the funniest clip of all is that. Uh, Sister Jean, you were being interviewed. I think it was still in Gentile. And I think a Chicago reporter asked you, like, what's it like to be a national celebrity? 
And you very quickly respond, you're like, if I may correct you, uh, I'm actually an international celebrity. And that was just, everyone yeah. died laughing. That was great. Because, yeah, you were published everywhere. Like, I remember seeing, like, I'm wearing this Roma shirt right now. Like, I, I they, they tweeted stuff about you. Yeah, that, that, that was a hilarious, hilarious comment about you. <laughs> I, I, I remember say, saying that. And I said that because I, I had already had emails from people in Germany mm-hmm. and France t- talking about the... Uh, the ramblers and you know being in the final four and so forth so that's why i said an international and that just came out of my mouth i i hadn't never even thought of that before they said it (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's great so something they they uh they talked about during that time and uh at least like when i you know toured the school and i think like during uh like welcome week they they say a couple times so you i know you've since moved to uh water tower but uh at the time when I got here, you were living in Regis Hall. Uh, a lot of people aren't aware of that, but you, you, you lived in a dorm this whole time. Oh, that's, that's right. Yes, I, I lived in Re- – oh, before I lived in Regis, I lived in Creighton, and the, that dorm is gone. Uh, but it, Where was, it was that at? It was south of um, uh, Simpson. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and it's just green space now. So what are some things – you miss about dorm life and what are some things you don't miss about dorm life? Well, I, I miss, I miss talking to the students, mm-hmm. miss seeing the students. And I lived in dorm life also at Mundelein. I live in coffee hall. Okay. That was, I was the, that's the still there, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's there. Uh, yeah. It was, um, a, a, they continued it as a dorm as a women's dorm. And then, but then, uh, not, uh, then they changed it to office space. Yeah, yeah. study area too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, that, but, um, and I lived in, uh, it, I, I like dorm life uh, because I have more contact with students. Mm-hmm. And having, when I was uh, at Mundelein and living in Coffee Hall, I was assistant, uh, assistant academic dean and uh, the, director of the hall so i had access to all the grades so if i heard bad big noises at night no. I, would, I would know that they weren't studying and then <laughs> I see what the grades were so yeah. that, that i was boostering long before, before <laughs> i ever came to loyola but it, it was fun in fact i'm having a a group of young women coming to see me this Friday, Thursday, um, who were in living on the same floor that I did at Mundelein, and uh, I haven't seen them since ni- 1974. Wow! And oh. so they're all retired. They told me. <laughs> but that's awesome. I it, it is memories are great, and I and the same way with Loyola. Uh, Creighton was one of those apartment hotels that Loyola bought, and then it needed to be torn down. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Regis. Regis is a great place to be, and everybody who lives in Regis likes it because it's actually it was built for sophomores, but we've always had so many freshmen. It's mm-hmm. in the freshman dorm. And then, um, then I went to San Francisco after I broke my hip That because that that's handicap accessible. 
Yeah. And is that uh, just for for my Loyola um, pride? Is that is that uh, new dorm built? Uh, yes, it is. What is that one called? Francis. It's called Francis after the Pope. Okay. All right. I, 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 need, was, I need to get my Rambler knowledge right. My campus yeah, that, knowledge. That's all right. It um, was going to be called St. Joseph. And then we acquired the St. Joseph Seminary, see? Mm-hmm. So we couldn't have two dorms with the same name. Right. So then they changed it to Francis. Yes. Couldn't and, uh, get you like a, like a, a suite in that one or? Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, there are different kinds of living situations there. And then gotcha. the, it's a freshman, actually a freshman dorm. Hmm. So, so you're spending more time down at Water Tower now. Uh, oh. what, what, what do you think of that? Well, I, I live at, at the Clare. Yeah. It does not belong to Loyola, but it's part of that complex with the communication center in it. Yeah. Communication school. Um, I'm there because I have to have therapy. Mm-hmm. I, after I, sometime after I broke my hip, I got shingles in my right leg. Mm. The shingles destroyed my muscles and my nerves. So I, and I'm getting Botox uh, sh- uh, injections at the medical center, Loyola Medical Center. So I have the best looking foot in Chicago. <laughs> because... That's where he gets my injection <laughs> because that part of my, to renew my, um, the strength in my muscles and in my nerves. Got so it. it's helping, but I know it's taking time. Absolutely. Um, that I stay and I have therapy at the Claire. Living at the Claire is very different from any kind of living I've had because it's, um, in such a, a, I don't want to say rich place, but it's uh, very. That's nice. Very, it's very nice. nice. Very, yeah. very nice. Yes, and the, the care is excellent. Good. And so then I, I come back and forth to um, Lake Shore campus, and uh, what they call an open cab. Like, just wheel puts the wheelchair into the cab. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, that's helpful. So, so someone we have to talk about while we're on here. He gets a lot of love on Twitter as well, and probably is the only guy that has outlasted you in loyal athletics officially is uh, Dr. Tom Hitcho. Oh, uh, as we call him Hitch. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a former trainer here. Uh, he's still around in the building. Like one of his titles is an associate or assistant athletic director. He's just a great presence to have all around. But uh, most of the time when you're pictured, he's with you uh, with your with your wheelchair. Uh, what's your relationship like with with Hitch? And, uh, you know, like what are some memories you have with him? Oh, I have so many memories of him because I've known him ever since I've been here, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to I tell you, I I think um, He's a living archivist. He can. He doesn't have to go to the archives for anything. No, he doesn't. He knows everything. He knows everything. I could talk to Hitch for a long time about about. I remember he would used to tell me about all this history, alumni gym, 
he was telling me how he taped Larry Bird's ankles, that type of stuff. He he knows everything. Oh yeah, he does, and he knows the the exact year, almost the exact day that something happened, and when he tells us that you know that uh, Patrick Ewing. Uh, they play, They practiced in our gym before an NCAA event, right. and you know he know he knows all that. Not only does he know that, but he knows every athletic alum by name. No mm-hmm. matter when when that man or woman comes back, he calls them by name. It's it's amazing, and I'm I know that Steve Watson depends on him a lot for information, and. Everybody does. Yeah, and we're so lucky to have him, and I I think that because he was a trainer and he was part of my healing process, that's why when we go away someplace, he he takes care of me, you know, and he knows how to help me into the car and all that. Right. And, and when I talk about anything about the condition of my leg, he knows. He he goes to the um, to Loyola, takes me to Loyola Medical Center for the, um, my injections, and uh, everybody out there knows him because yeah. it takes because it takes the athletes out there. Mm-hmm. So yeah. everybody, and we get go in there, you know, and they have they're still testing you know, in, in temperatures, doing temperatures there. Oh, everybody wants to come to the us and give us do get our temperature <laughs> yeah. it's, it's just fun to, it's just fun to observe him in a group of um, alums or uh, people he's worked with that he just knows he knows it all and he's so humble about it yeah and he's willing to talk and he he's he's just, he's friendly with the athletes and he knows a lot about all the all you athletes and it's yeah, yeah, we definitely enjoy his presence and are thankful for him uh, throughout the building. And, mm-hmm. and like that, he has like that relationship with everyone. It's pretty crazy. Um, He'll guess, for sure be on this this podcast. Yes. Yeah. No, we've had a lot of requests for for each of you. Yeah. Oh yeah, he he'd be very good on your absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So moving on a little bit, uh, Sister Jean, I, I thought of this, and and uh, Mrs. Crutwig actually sent in a question. Uh, and we were wondering. Got a couple questions. Got a couple questions. Yeah. We do uh, we do a mailbag segment every week, where people can throw whatever type of question they want in, and we oh. kind of posted it out that you're going to be on, and we we had a lot of questions for you, so we're gonna we're gonna have, and I have a couple questions too. So um, yeah, the so first one from my mom. Yeah. So uh, obviously we're in Advent. It's the Christmas season, and People want to know what does a you know traditional Christmas Eve and Christmas Day look like for Sister Jean, and uh, what all does that entail for you? As a child or now? Uh, uh, currently. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I I know so far that we're going to have um, at, at the Claire, we're going to be gathering for a, a Christmas Eve mass. First of all, on at four thirty on that day, uh, we have a chaplain there who is a pastor of St. John Berkman's uh, Parish in Chicago, and he comes to say mass on 
Saturdays usually at four, at, always at 4.30, and on feast days, because he has a lot to do at his parish too. So we'll be at a gathering for, for, the, uh, uh, for that. And then on Christmas morning, or Christmas he's coming again, not that he doesn't believe that the 4.30 on will be yeah. different, but he wants to say Mass for us at 12.30, and then we'll go to dinner. And dinner, I know, will be like any traditional thanks uh, Christmas dinner with turkey and mashed potatoes and all that. But we'll, yeah. we will be seeing all our friends unless we get a COVID uh, alert. And yeah, so hopefully not. Uh, hopefully not. We we couldn't do it last year. Mm-hmm. We, we just had to eat in our rooms for months, and mm-hmm. but now we're out. We'll 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 have dinner in the di- um, main dining room. Now at Declare, there are several dining rooms. One hmm. in, uh, one where the uh, where the um, independent people live, big dining room. But and they that's called the Grafton, and then we have in our part, which is assisted living, we have a a dining room on the sixteenth floor, but mm. we both get the same kind of food. I mean, every food, all the food is made by the same cook. Gotcha. So it'll be good, and so, we'll uh, be able to visit, have friends come and visit us, and okay. so forth. So pre-COVID. Would you spend any time uh, during Christmas Eve or Christmas Day at Madonna della Strada? No. No. Madonna della Strada is having midnight mass only. Gotcha. On on Christmas Eve. Uh, I will will miss that, of course. Because I I can't, you know. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, Craig, do you have another question? Yeah. Um, okay, I don't know where I saw this. Maybe I read it somewhere. Maybe my dad made this up. I don't know. But when you were, um, before you got to Loyola, you were out on the West Coast, right? Correct. Um, either I read this or he told me that you, uh, you taught the, uh, John Wayne, the Duke's kids in, in school. Is that, is that true or false? Well, he, he didn't, he didn't, um make that up. I didn't teach them, but they were in the school where I taught. Ah, okay. And, and, but I did teach uh, two of the Hope children. Oh. Linda and Tony. Tony is now, Tony is now deceased. And then also in the school, I taught eighth grade for nine years there. And then, but in some of the lower grades, uh, um, Nancy, Sinatra and Frankie Sinatra were in class. Wow! And their aunt was a teacher in our school. That mm-hmm. was that was uh, Blue Eyes' sister. And um, who else? You ever meet Frank Sinatra or no? No, I didn't meet him, but wow. uh, uh, Bob, Bob Hope. But fr- fr- I remember the story about Frank Sinatra. He, when Nancy received her first communion. He wanted to bring his camera crew in to take the whole ceremony, you know. And right. in those, those days, that was not possible. Mm. The pastor said to him, Frank, this is not a production. This wow. is a religious ceremony. That's all he had to say. <laughs> but um, 
Bob Hope. Oh, I have a story about Bob Hope too, if you want to hear that. Let's hear it. Um, the Archdiocese asked that I would do um, a TV show with my some of my eighth graders. No, not for me. Yes, some of my eighth graders or any boys and girls I wanted to t choose to teach in the other eighth grade. So I chose my own eighth grade. 15 I could bring. So they wanted me to do a, a lesson, a lesson for a half an hour. So I got my things ready, my preparation, got the students chosen, and we were ready to go to the studio, which was in a U USC's communications department, the only one that had a TV connection. This is 19, late 1955, okay? Wow. So we're going back a lot of years. Yeah. So we were ready to go, and there was a breakdown in the equipment, and nobody knew how to fix it. So they said, no, we couldn't do it. So I called Bob Hope and said, Bob, do you think we could use your, oh, I was so bold. Do you think we could use your studio to record uh, this. Hey everyone, so here's where the feed briefly cut out for a second. We uh, acknowledged it and got back to the question. Uh, Sister Jean went on to say that Bob Hope had her class in studio twice, so that was pretty cool. Definitely. So thank you for that. Um, I guess to close here, you know, something that will live on forever that it's you know put up in our locker room right now. It's it's everywhere on campus is your motto, worship, work, win. Can you uh, talk to us about that, like, you know, the creation of it and, and what it means to you? I remember the day that um, Pat Schultz said to me, um, we want some words of wisdom for you from you in the locker room. And I said, well, how long do I have to think about it? And he said, well, I'd like them right now. And I said, <laughs> I said well, I think I'd, I'd like to do something that, people will read and something that might be, you know, worthwhile working for. And so let's talk about worship, work, and win. Now, how those words came out of me that fast, I really don't know. Because that, that wasn't my, my plan. I wanted, I wanted something. I wanted those three W's there. So I wanted anything with three W's. And so they, that came out of me. Because then I began to think about it. Well, you know what? That's what we really do. We pray to God for whatever, ask him for favors and we thank him. We probably ask for more than we, than we give thanks for, but we'll do both. Work, you have to work to get where you wanna go. So that these young people practice hard, play hard, so that's working all the time. And then the result is win. Now, sometimes that win is really, we don't get it, we, we lose. Some team has to lose, but we learn. We, mm -hmm. learn from, we learn from the game what we could do better. And so that in a certain way, that's, that's a win for us in that we have learned and we have improved and we'll get where we wanna go. 
Absolutely. I love it. And I, I haven't heard you explain like that. I, I really appreciate that. Well, sister, we're so thankful for your time. Uh, and yeah, we, we appreciate this so much. Do you have a, do you have a, a final message for loyal fans and loyal students? Well, I'm going to say just keep trusting in the ramblers. We're going to this new conference, but I have great faith, faith in that because of what we did when we went to the um, valley, we really improved a mm -hmm. great deal. And we got began to get our name. And that's important for people to know who we are. Now we're moving to another, to the Atlantic Town. They, they should call it the 14 if they're 14 teams. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Why, why are we calling it the 10? <laughs> so... But we know we know there's some pretty tough schools there, but we're toughening too, and so we'll we'll pull up our bootstraps and just get in there and do the work, and we'll play and we'll enjoy the game. We have to enjoy the game, have to enjoy being on the court, and I I noticed that uh, when we played um, Vanderbilt the other day, uh, you all seem to be enjoying it and having a good time even though it was really close at times because mm -hmm. they were closing in on us. But I, I thought you were having a good time. So I was having a good time, but I, I get nervous when it gets too close. That's for sure. But that's when I call a guy. But um, I, I, people have to have faith in us. And the alums I've talked to are really happy that we're doing this. Now, I, I'm going to miss the valley. I'm going to miss... Um, Arch Madness. It was so much fun to go to Arch Madness and see the people that we know and meet the same kind of, meet the same people every year, and they, they didn't forget who we were. And um, there there is a certain warmth in the valley that I hope we will have in the Atlantic Ten too. And we just have to go in and say we're going to do it, and because I I think if we if you say no to the invitation. Nobody's going to ask you again. Mm -hmm. Right. We'd probably be just staying where we are. So I think the team is happy about it. Uh, and I, the other athletes. And Steve Watson went about talking to everybody before the word got out that we were even invited. And I think that was smart to, you know, ask people's opinion, coaches, because it's a big change, not just for us. The, the team, the basketball team, it's a big change for everybody. Absolutely. Right. And uh, we we just accept it as we accepted the Valley. We accepted mm -hmm. the Valley as a compliment. And so now we have to accept this as a compliment. Sure. Right. For sure. That, that's, uh, that's the message going forward, I guess, for us. Well, yeah. uh, again, Sister Jean, thank you so much. Uh, I guess I'll be seeing you a couple times before Christmas, but... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, sister. It was, it was it was great to see you. Great to catch up with you. Uh, I'll be I'll be back home uh, over the holidays. Hopefully, if you're up around campus, I'll, I'll stop in and, uh, and and say what's up. But yeah, really appreciate you coming on. And and I think uh, a lot of people really really want to want to listen to this episode. And, and it'll be it'll be a good uh, way to kind of get the students ready for their last couple finals and, and on to Christmas break. Very good. Thank you both. It was fun doing this with both of you. Absolutely. Thank you.
No bears this week. (laughs) (laughs) That's the close. We're not talking bears this week. I'm okay with it. Okay, yeah. Again, probably a lot of you have not listened to this, but our our three talks we, we normally talk about are Bears, Blurs, and Belgium. We did not cover that this week because it was a Sunday night game, and uh, it was fine that we didn't do that because, uh, once again, the inevitable happened, and the Bears had a dumpster fire of a second half. So Didn't no even Bears. watch it. So Okay, fair. Uh, so this is Fallen Sister Jean. As soon as we cut off, we were just talking a little bit, and uh, we'd like to be known that Sister Jean deemed uh, Duncan – Dunkin' Donuts. Under under the L, Dunkin' Donuts. Over Starbucks. Yes. Big, uh, the, the, the stock market might, might change a little bit <laughs> yeah. on that information. But uh, that was that was hilarious to hear. Um, we compared us to uh, Jerry the Monkey. So. And, I'm, and it's safe to say that the Dunkin' at the Loyola L stop is, is the best Dunkin' in the city of Chicago. It is. It Based is. on... Service product, yeah. you know. Regular listeners are aware of our stance. Yes. On All so. right. Well, uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, if this is your first time, click click follow on uh, either Apple Apple Podcast or Spotify. Uh, let's uh let, let's play the the music for the outro too here. Let's just Instagram. Yeah. Follow <laughs> us on Instagram. All right. Thanks for listening. The second Go time I'm gonna say that. Go players. Bye. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube